We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Hour Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Mike. Darius should be back on our next show. And in the last episode, we discussed a wonderful series between the Bucks and Suns and how Milwaukee's size and athleticism, the impact of that is really starting to show itself over the course of that series. And today we're going to discuss... That in context with the Western Conference. Mike, we got some big news this past week that Kawhi Leonard has a partially torn ACL and had surgery. The recovery time for that is usually nine plus months. So he should be out for a good portion of next season, if not the entirety of it. And looking at the Western Conference from that perspective, I mean, he's one of the the big dogs out West, right? One of the, the true superstars out West. And when we think of it through a Lakers perspective, you've got Phoenix, you've got Denver, who's going to be better. But yeah, Kawhi's injury kind of leaves a wide open Western Conference, Mike. What do you make of the implications? Well, I thought that the Kawhi injury to me, uh, once we originally heard the term ACL, it was always going to go this way. At least that's what, you know, I think some there are some people around the league um, kind of behind the scenes that were expecting that. And the Clippers never designated that right there. It was always the oh, there was some feeling maybe that they wanted that, whether it was for the team or their opponents, that he might come back. But once you knew that it was the ACL, from what I understand, and this is let, let me kind of pull away from Kawhi's specific injury, because we, of course, don't know specifically what's going on there. But generally speaking, with an ACL, it's not something that heals on its own. Uh, like if you you know if you sprain your ankle, the ligaments and, and like will eventually get to the point where you're okay. Like if you strain your groin, you know that that's something that can heal. It it isn't necessarily going to be surgery. If the ACL, um, well, not it's in a particular part of the knee where you basically have to uh, go in and repair it surgically. So whether it's a partial tear or a full a full tear doesn't really matter. Um, and so I kind of was anticipating that that was going to be that was going to be what was going to happen. Um, once we once the ACL thing came out. And so there you go, right? Here's the news that Kawhi is now going to be out for, uh, they're not going to give a timeline, but Pete, you mentioned it, that people, most of them expect it to be nine months. And just considering Kawhi's age, considering the injury issues that he's had in the past, 
I think that the Clippers at least have to operate like they're not going to have him next year. I hope any player can get back sooner. And, and so hopefully that is the case, but they have to be feeling like they're not going to have him next year. And that absolutely puts the Clippers in some jeopardy. Um, when you when you look at the Western Conference. And so just as an exercise, Pete, I did a way too early one through 15. And this is going to change with a draft. This is going to change with free agency. This is going to change with trades, at least some. But just so we have a baseline and maybe the way to do it um, for me, I, I'll just do it kind of in tiers as opposed to having it be, you know, a, a hard one through 15 and just see. Uh, and I think the exercise to me bears out what you were just talking about with the Lakers and what their size, their athleticism, and kind of what you put around LeBron and AD has the potential to do. Um, do can we can we do it that way? Do you want me to just give you my little tiers here? Please do. Okay. So I'll start in the top tier, and I'm going to go Lakers, Jazz, Suns, Mavs, and Warriors. This is of oh, course a big tier, yeah. And well, so I, I would separate. Like I, I actually do think that the Lakers have have the chance to be the number one seed and the best team in the West. Like I, I, now there's a lot of uncertainty with who's going to be back on the roster and we need to have, but this is just anticipating that they're going to make good moves, uh, which they certainly did the last two years and, uh, and LeBron and AD having the full off season. So I do have the Lakers number one, like I, and I don't think that should be controversial. Um, I, I don't, uh, I'm sure people in Phoenix and in Utah would like to argue otherwise, but so if I had to pull them, pull them out, like I do think from a top end upside perspective point i would have the lakers up there but then you know jazz suns i would probably have a little bit separated from mass warriors but ultimately like those are the five teams that i to me feel like you know playoff locks and this is you know clay thompson getting back this is the warriors having two lottery picks and potentially being able to flip those somewhere else and maybe that's a little bit charitable even to the warriors who have to prove it but nonetheless like i like the uh, here's here's a way to put it pete i like the upside uh, that they have it's the, than, it's the point that they can right or a yes. Dallas team with Luka Doncic they can in they can get to a certain point obviously it's exactly. too early to know if they will but they're at least capable in ways that I think a lot of the other teams in the conference are not exactly so and then so here so then let me give you the next five and this these are the teams where I, I think that have have certainly enough talent to make the playoffs but have some question marks and so the first one would be Denver and I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because of Jokic and because mm-hmm. he can make everybody that much better. But let's remember, Jamal Murray is not going to be back until maybe the second half of the season. So he mm-hmm. tore his ACL mm-hmm. in April, right, on April 12th. Right. And there, there's some uncertainty there, too, with a couple of guys coming back. I think we expect that Michael Porter Jr. can take a step um, like he did last year until that faded out in the second round. Uh, but, yeah, like that, that to me is still a little bit of a question, although I would have them at the high end. Um, of this tier now with them i've got memphis portland and then the clippers and the pelicans so that's that's 10 teams and two of those teams are not going to make the playoffs there of course will be the play-in tournament again next year and this is where like the murray injury and especially the Kawhi injury end up being difficult because they're in those situations the lakers were in last year the lakers didn't know they'd be in that situation going into the year but since lebron and ad both get hurt they end up as the seventh seed and instead of kind of getting able to uh, having the ability to ramp up into a postseason, they get Phoenix, who had just enough to beat them um, once Anthony Davis went down. And so I just I think that 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 really 
gives the Lakers a, a big advantage there. But before we get back to the Lakers in this, like, what do you think of that five team uh, tier? And do you think any of the teams I don't have in that picture, which are Wolves, Spurs, Kings, Thunder, Rockets, uh, do you think any of those teams should replace any of the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Blazers, Clippers, Pelicans? I don't think any of those those bottom tier teams should, although I kind of like some of the things that Minnesota's doing. I think I could see them getting on, on the right track. Um, and I could see Portland going sideways. They certainly have some bad mojo, at least going going into the season. It seems like this is a, a precursor to you know them on, on a rebuild. So they're a team that I wouldn't be surprised, right? But that said, I, I think that your yeah. your tiers are correct. The one change that I would make is I would flip Utah and Denver. That said, with Denver, with Murray, that's contingent on him getting back to a certain level that is probably really optimistic because that's the thing with ACL injuries is it's usually the second year after you come back where you look closer to yourself. It's it will probably and, and hopefully we're wrong here, but it will probably be difficult for Kawhi and Jamal Murray to look like Kawhi and Jamal Murray, the versions of them that we know in this upcoming season. So I, I may not be as generous with the tiers in terms of like putting five teams in that top tier. I think that it's, I honestly think it's Lakers by themselves. And if you're going to include somebody else, it's Phoenix. And then there's a big gulf because of these injuries. But by and large, I'm, I'm with you. The only thing under your format I'd switch would be Denver and Utah. Cause I just don't think, I think that the problem with Utah is going to show up every single year in the playoffs with Gobert. Well, okay. not, yeah. So this is, this is just a, so let me, uh, I'll be more specific. Cause I think we actually agree on this. I'm, I'm thinking of just seeding. For next oh, year, sure. So that's okay. how, right. So, so that's where the Nuggets that thus get penalized into that second tier, right? Great point. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Murray's going to be out for that long, and therefore, and that's what I that's the what I was saying in terms of LeBron and AD um, ending up in the seventh seed. So, in terms of all around teams and who's got the most upside if they're healthy, that's where I, I agree. I would flip the Nuggets and the Jazz um, with gotcha. you. I just think the Jazz formula works in the regular season, and even though like teams should teams should just be like, oh. We're playing Utah tonight. All right. You know, we're going small. You know, it just but they don't they let let them play that way. And so Utah always ends up getting more regular season wins. And then they eventually um, will flame out because of that system and because of the the, uh, of the stuff around it. But, yeah, the the, to get back a little bit to the Clippers aspect of this and why I think it's in it. It's so it's such a blow for them, such a devastating blow. And why, you know, the Lakers have a chance to capitalize. So they never played in the postseason. And in and now, like with what we're saying now, there we're not going to see a Kawhi and Paul George fully healthy against LeBron and AD and whatever the sporting casts are, which we're, we're going to be that, that at least not in terms of athleticism and size, because we had that conversation in the last podcast. That was where it was going to favor the Lakers. But just in terms of the upside all around talent, like all of it combined in the roster. And if you look up and down the rest of all the Western Conference teams that we that we mentioned, this may sound different if there is a big trade. So that then a team a team could certainly get up to that point. But what we know right now with who's going we know for is going to be back on these rosters, I totally agree with you that the Lakers have this built-in advantage um, going in with just with the LeBron AD pairing alone. Like there there is not another duo right that has that combination of two-way play. And that's why I still favored the Lakers last season until one of those two do one of the two was not in there. And I think that that has to be the, the Lakers have to be excited, therefore, about that prospect of like, all right, look, th- this was the bubble tax. These were the connected seasons. 
But now we, you got the full offseason and look at the rest of the Western Conference. Clippers are going to take a big hit. Their best player is out. The Nuggets' second best player is out. Phoenix had to go all the way through the end of July and exhaust themselves. And then Booker's going to play for Team USA, right? Mm-hmm. Like Utah, we just talked about. Uh, the Mavs, we got Luka Doncic playing in the Olympics for Slovenia. And uncertainty about Chris Stapps. And like, so the Warriors have some uncertainty with guys coming back. At least they have the upside. But they're like, there isn't that other team that I think, and this is to get to your point, back to your tier thing, Pete, where like that's the Lakers should feel at least internally like, hey, let's go. You know, this is our like, let's go. Let's get the number one seed. You know, not just like let's not deal with all the seeding stuff from last year. We are like they wanted to do two years ago when LeBron and AD first came together. And it's kind of like announcing themselves to the league and especially to the West. Right. It like it's time to, to it's time to roll. Yeah, I think for as difficult as the surrounding circumstances were coming into this past season, I think we have a lot of advantages going into the next one because the offseason won't be as short as it was between the two, but this will not be a full-length offseason. So a team like Phoenix, for example, will suffer some of the tax that we suffered as a result of the short offseason as well. And so this is the landscape that the Lakers are entering this offseason and this roster building in. And I think that there's a commonality amongst those teams that ties into our last pod, talking about Milwaukee's size and athleticism, and that really plays into the nature of what our title team was. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get a little deeper into that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So in terms of looking at the teams that could be up there, and again, a major trade can swing this in. Dallas is a team that I have a wary eye on in that I keep telling my friends, like, may Porzingis's reign in Dallas be very long? Because as soon as you get Luka a number two, that's a, a playoff caliber high-end number two, I think they become a, a real problem right away. So Agreed. I've got yep. an eye on them for sure, right? Yep, but yep. 
in terms of going into next year, when I think who could beat the Lakers in a seven-game series, provided no major stars are out, right? Who has a chance to? Brooklyn's right at the top of that. Phoenix at least deserves a, a degree of respect for what they did this season. Mind you, I do think that their circumstances are more difficult. I do think they caught some lightning in the bottle this year. But Aiton's legit. Booker's legit. Chris Paul is Chris Paul, right? Assuming that that they'll have that core yeah. back bridges. And bridges, them bridges back. legit. They're yeah. a good team. They're a really good team. So let's throw Phoenix in there as well. Uh, I agree with you on Golden State in that, again, if I use my – if you did this 100 times, I don't think they would have – they'd be a title team – more than 50, but I think that things can happen this offseason that certainly get them there and they've got champions there. But I look at the common thread amongst those teams, and you can even throw a healthy Clippers and Denver team in this, is it speaks to this overall concept that has pervaded the league over the last five years or so, is that shooting has been prioritized and perimeter play has been prioritized. And as a function of that, the league has gotten smaller at various positions because it's harder to find a 6'10 guy with athleticism that can also shoot. Those guys are called superstars. And so as a result, you have your Jay Crowders, your Cam Johnsons, your Bridges, uh, even for Brooklyn, uh, Kevin Durant at the four, uh, Bruce Brown, guys like that, that he's a good athlete, but in a previous era, era, he's a shooting guard as opposed to a short roll five essentially is is what he played a lot for Brooklyn when I look across all these teams man they're pretty small and so much of the concept of not just the title team the Lakers title team but this year's team that did that you know that, that didn't get there so much of the concept of the team I believe is that you guys it's looking around the league and being like you guys are a little too small to defend some basic things around the rim that make you vulnerable. Like we go to the Brooklyn game where we beat them in Brooklyn. Now, mind you, this is a regular season game. Brooklyn didn't play particularly well, but they also, they didn't have anybody for Andre Drummond. Drummond had like 21 and 10 in like 22 minutes in that game, in part because that dude's just way too small to be defending that guy. And you can even apply this concept to the Lakers to a guy like THT. THT is a massive ball handler, a a huge guard. And so in the construction of this team, Mike, I think there's a good argument to be made for, we're not going to outskill these teams, right? But with the starting point of LeBron and AD, one of the great assets that you have is that they are bigger, faster, stronger than their counterparts. And if you, it's a question of, do you put skill around that or do you double down on the concept and be like, we're going to have THT, we're going to have this other big guy on the wing that's big for his position and just, can you win in a way that actually Milwaukee is, is thriving against Phoenix at the point of us recording this, like how much shooting and skill do you need or can you double down on that? A really good question that just caused me to pause because I was like, can I answer yes and no uh, on a question that isn't yes and no uh, in in shout out to Darius, who, by the way, will be back, I think, soon. I think Magic kicked him off the yacht finally. He got annoyed because yeah. Magic wanted a straight opinion and Darius hit him with a yes and no. And he was gone <laughs> for like three or four minutes. And Magic was like, look, man, like, no, that's not how that's not how go. we do this. Yeah. OK, <laughs> you, you got to go. It's been fun, but you're off the boat. So uh, he, we should be expecting our mans back soon. I I will try to be consistent with what I've been saying and say that if I had to pick between the two, then I want the I want defense first and I want sort of the two way guys. And this is where you and I and with Darius too have gotten into the like the difference between 
three and D and D and three. And maybe the Lakers have had a couple more D and three guys. And you were looking for like one more three and D guy to flip those letters or one letter, whatever. And I think though, with when you're the Lakers, I think that you can have both. I think that you can have both on the roster uh, and you have, so that you have an option to either veer more towards the skill or to veer more towards the size. But given the context, Pete, that you offered, and that's looking around the rest of the league and thinking about the the way to beat all of these other teams and playoff series, then, then yeah, like I am going to go more towards the, the size and the athleticism and the force and the pressure on the rim, the defense of the rim, and then just figure that we'll make enough shots uh, along the way, uh, which is what they did on their actual title run. So I, like that, that could catch up to them in certain games for sure. And, but I just think four out of seven times, it's more likely that they're going to benefit from the size and the skill. And I think the beauty behind, even if it's, if it's LeBron and AD, that's a lot of size. Like both those guys can hit shots though. So that's the thing is, is that right. they're, you know, so you're not bereft. Even if you put just three, if you just put defenders around them, one of, if one of them can cut to the hoop and if another one can at least rondo enough threes where like he's not a great three point shooter, but he's going to be wide open, then I'm, I'm fine with that as opposed to a weak spot um, that the other team can attack. And then that, that requires LeBron and AD to do a lot more on the defensive end and all that. So I'm going to try to be consistent there, but I'm curious for you to answer your own question. Yeah, I think we need two guys who can where shooting is their best the best part of their game. So KCP is one of them. And KCP's speed, I think, plays into because what happens is when you have this massive, you know, core of players putting pressure on the rim, we're seeing this in the finals, that it opens up opportunities on the perimeter where even being able to sprint to deep corner the way that KCP does, his speed becomes a, a real factor. And I think you need two guys where shooting is at the top of their offensive list. But by and large, I would turn that dial toward the bigger, faster, stronger types of guys as often as possible. And that plays into your idea of D and three guys, too. I think I think Talon is super important in our offseason in terms of like if if he's back, hopefully he is. But he is such a physical player relative to his ball handling ability and his skill set that I'm seeing him more and more as a three and as a small forward than a guard necessarily because I do think that he can defend up and that you can that if you move him to that spot and if we're talking about LeBron and AD more at the four and five type spots, Taylor at the three I think allows you to have two more guards whether one of them's KCP who's a shooter but not necessarily a ball handler and another guard who whether it's Dennis or or somebody else who can handle the ball. I think that ball handling can help counter shooting to some degree. I just think that we kind of maybe turn that dial a little too far away from shooting this past season. But by and large, when I look around the league, I'm looking at all these teams, Mike, and I'm going, you're too small to defend our bigger lineups. Like remember that against the Suns, when we had our starters intact, and this again plays toward that concept that I was talking about with the drum and signing, that that group had a plus 21.6 net rating, our starters did, against the Phoenix Suns. The same Phoenix team that went to kick everyone's ass in the West, for the most part, obviously they faced teams that were depleted, but this Suns team is good, and our starters absolutely dominated them, not because Phoenix was not good, but because they were too small like there was a fundamental 
it, like they fundamentally collapsed on this certain aspect of the game that seems so simple, but those bigger, faster, stronger athletes, I think the league is even turning more toward that. And the emergence of a DeAndre Ayton is an example of that, where the league's gotten so small that all of a sudden these big and these these big athletes that can move are becoming more and more valuable. And that's why LeBron and AD are such a cheat code. It, it just, especially AD in the sense of, we keep using the word small, but when he's your defensive anchor, you're that's not right. small. You're just not, you're just not small. Yeah, There's no inherent advantage in going small. You go skilled. And because you want to go skilled, you generally have to have smaller players. So when you don't have to have smaller players and they're the size of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, huge advantage. But it's the same reason I think that Phoenix, aside from the, you know, the big injuries to AD and to Kawhi to an extent, it's the same way that Phoenix has had the success they've had is because they've been able to keep Aiton on the floor. And so they so even though the rest of the team is kind of small, he's been able to hang when Rudy Gobert can't uh, in certain switching type schemes and certain lineups. And, you know, and the fact that he's able to punish you more on the other end. So that's what we keep talking about. What's been the biggest difference in the NBA the last couple of years? It's been the center position and either the downsizing of it or the guys that can find a way to do enough positive stuff that they can still be out there. And we can count those guys on, you know, one or two hands max. And there are a couple of them, like we were talking about Jokic a little bit earlier. So just won the MVP, incredible offensive player. Defense is probably, you know, it's, it's slightly better than, than maybe it's dismissed by some, but it's still an issue where you're kind of, you're like, well, can they really win? Can you win a championship if, your most important defensive position, at least, or at least right there with a the wing. Can you do that with a guy that's not a plus there? Because there mm-hmm. haven't been that many times in NBA history that teams have. Let me ask you about Shaq, because he's always interesting to me in this. And you you are somebody that spent a lot of time watching Shaq play. I'm, I'm working know, on a Shaq video right now, in fact. So this is good timing. Perfect. And I know that we should at some point we should just do a we should do a deep dive like hour long Shaq pod 100%. with Darius. Yeah. 100%. So because so but here let me ask you about him in this context though. Downsizing, right? Like a guy that can really punish you. Just give me your your summary Shaq take about how he a player like him cuz it, it's closer to Embiid in terms of physical size and dominance, but he's there's a different level of force and explosion around the basket and he doesn't have the same skill on the perimeter that Embiid has, but defensively he there's just a lot there. So I just let me let you do you do it. You put Shaq in the context <laughs> for this combo for me, please. I, I've been dying to have a Shaq pod. And it's part of the reason one of the reasons I'm doing a video on him right now is because I think that the memory of who he was as a player has faded beyond what's appropriate for how great he was. Shaq defensively, we used to get killed, Mike, by Remember Troy Hudson, Troy Hudson, I'm sure you remember this as a Minnesota guy, Troy Hudson whooping our butts in in a playoff series, Mike Bibby. Oh, yeah. We'd always get killed by guards because Shaq would just not leave the paint. But but that was more a matter of he didn't want to. When he had to, he would show high out on the perimeter. The game that I'm working on of his right now is game two of the 2001 finals where he had the near quadruple double. He had 28 points, 20 boards, nine assists, eight block shots, and Part of what didn't show up in the stat sheet is he's starting to show high on Iverson or Eric Snow or somebody who's 
you know, a guard out on the perimeter in ways that he did not typically do, but he was capable of it. It just wasn't his favorite thing to do, but he, he would do it when he had to. And he, more importantly, he could do it when he had to, he was a lot more agile than Embiid was. He had, man, he had, and he was so skilled in terms of his, uh, again, we'll have that Shaq pod for sure, but he is one of those archetypes of how would he fit in today's NBA and how different the league was then versus now. I think you would have to adjust to Shaq a lot more than Shaq would have to adjust to you in terms of like playoff series. I don't expect him to be stepping out in regular season games or even early playoff games to, and that he'd give up a lot of pull-up jumpers and things like that. But Shaq would be a monster in today's era and like he would force adjustments. And so that's what's funny. So the context around some of the shock argument was like when the Warriors were at their peak and people were like, oh, what would happen if the 2001 Lakers faced the, you know, 15-16 Warriors and, oh, Shaq couldn't stay on the floor, right? Because they just pull him out for screen roll. Oh. And what and part of what you're saying is, well, not only would Shaq just completely leave Golden State unable to play that small lineup or at least or at least like he would dunk a lot but maybe they'd have to anyway and they just play the threes game but he would be getting he could get out to that better than you remember i guess is part of is part of what you're saying it is and if i have to pick someone to beat me that's draymond open threes right let's see if draymond can hit more open threes than Shaq can bully six seven and six eight dudes in the post good luck with that right so yeah i i i'm so Again, you're, we're gonna for, have for the, the record, pod. you got you got 0-1 Lakers then for the record. I got 0-1 Lakers absolutely in that yes. matchup. That's right. Mm. That's right. Um, <laughs> so with respect to this Lakers team and how we too, build out, we focus so much, Mike, on the front court when we talk about the size of a team that I think we can uh, underanalyze the backcourt and the wings. That's an area where the Lakers were small this past season. Aside from Taylor, Dennis is not a big guy. KCP is not a big guy. Alex is pretty sturdy, right? But there were lineups where Alex was playing the three, in which I remember Tobias Harris hit a game winner. We had that furious comeback in Philly, and then Harris, a little step back, just shot over the top of Caruso. And there's not much he can do about that. There's a size differential there. That's one aspect of the team where in the last pod you were describing that play where we were you were comparing AD uh, in the finals defensively against Dragic, right? And Dragic didn't know, like, can I really shoot this? Should I lob it to Bam? It was deeper in the paint. It wasn't the same play as, as the Giannis block, but it was a similar be in two places at once type of play where uh, AD, he didn't know whether to shoot or lob it to Bam. But a big part of that, Mike, was Danny Green is breathing down Dragic's neck, right, and providing that back pressure. And so that is something in the uh, our ongoing Danny Green discussion, right, where we got smaller in the backcourt and we got smaller on the wings in ways where I would like to see us address that more than be quite so focused on the center's position. The big guards that the Lakers have, that I think the the obvious – switch was just going from Danny Green to Dennis Schroeder and the guy that was going to be mm-hmm. on the court more often than not. And the one thing that I kind of thought was since you can get away with playing Kuzma in some senses where you still have that size and like, could you, if he is there, if he's basically the three there and then you've got like KCP and Caruso, then you're still pretty big one through one, two, three. But it's if you're right, if you have shooter out there and then you also want to play Caruso and especially if you want to put THC and then you're all of a sudden you do lose some of that size. So it's a the trade off, of course, is on the other end and shooter and his ability to break down the defense. And as right, opposed you got to ball just, handling ability. Right. If you've got Caruso and Kuzma and KCP in the backcourt, you're really just depending on LeBron to handle the ball. Right. Or if or if you had and again, they won the championship doing this. But 
LeBron being in, like, let's say crunch time lineup. It would be Rondo once in a while, but more often than not, it would be LeBron with KCP and Danny Green and then AD. And then, you know, maybe I, I sometimes Caruso, right? Some, but sometimes Kuzma. But the point is, it wouldn't somebody else that had that. The You break the defense down in those lineups. And, and it was fine because LeBron could do it or AD, especially with how hot he was from the mid range. Right. You know, was it, it just was always enough. And that's that is kind of the question, though. And, and it seems like they did want to have that guy in shooter. And we all thought it was a good idea at the time. I still think that it, it probably worked out. It could have worked out better um, than it did have save for the NBA health and safety protocols and the rest of the injuries and all that kind of stuff. But I'm I truly I don't know, honestly, the answer to that question. Like what which of those two would I prefer? I suppose I would say that's you can win either way with LeBron and AD healthy. And but which one is optimal, man, I it just it seemed like they and even if you ask LeBron, it seemed like they did want that additional guy who could break a defense down. And so even if you're going to lose a little size defensively there, that they were going to they maybe they or I don't know, maybe they wanted to try that as opposed like, okay, we know we can do it this way, but it seems like it might be a little easier if we have another playmaker. And then uh, maybe maybe you get done with this season. You're like, ah. Maybe I want that size defensively again. For sure, right. And we tried that LeBron's first year too, right? Where it was Lance Stevenson and Rondo. There were that was one of the concepts of that team is we're gonna we're gonna Lonzo, we're gonna surround LeBron with playmakers, BI. And in a way where you know, that roster was an odd mix of very young players and LeBron and then the injuries and all of that, right? So you can we can relitigate the effectiveness of that. Yeah. But the team that did actually win was the one in which we had that side. And I think it yeah. fits, Mike, the personality of our coach. And this is something I don't think that we talk about enough is that we can talk about a roster in a vacuum, but – how well it fits the philosophy of the coach that you have really matters. We saw this in a bad way, I think, with like Mike D'Antoni and the Dwight and Powell Lakers, right? Like that was a great roster. Mike D'Antoni is a good coach. They weren't particularly on the same page. And I think we saw some of the results of that. It's important, I think, that having a big physical oppressive team, and that word oppressive is something that I really think of with that 2020 team on the defensive end, plays right into what Frank Vogel does best. And so I think there's an argument to be made that getting bigger on the wing, getting bigger in the backcourt really fits what our coach likes to do. And I think that's important. You know what, Pete? You don't have to, twi- you don't have to twist my arm. Okay. I'm, I'm here for that. You know, you know, you know, that represents uh, the way that I've been looking at this team. And uh, and I support I support that position. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. This is going to be a conversation that we continue to discuss. We've got the finals are super spread out, obviously, uh, this year. So there's a game on Saturday. Then there'd be a game on Tuesday. We'll be back to cover that. We've also got the draft coming up and free agency coming up not too long after that. We're going to have some pods next week, I think, covering the draft and especially the week following that as we start to get into finding out what this next version of the Lakers will be. But until then, everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Final.
Bulls record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.